finally, a better way to hold your phone. Introducing Steady Straps. Made here in the USA, Steady Straps are high quality, flexible straps that adjust to hold virtually any phone comfortably and securely. Steady Straps are washable and come in a wide range of colors and styles. See them all at SteadyStraps.com because they're so visible, they're the perfect promotional item to advertise your company message or logo. Learn more at SteadyStraps.com. That's SteadyStraps.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Coaching Queens 2020. I am Queen Baumgart, Queen B. Baumgart, and we have Queen B. <laughs> Welcome to Crazy Town, guys. <laughs> you say it over and over, over and over, and then as soon as that record thing comes on, you just, everything goes out the window. But we have somebody today, Charity. We do. We have the amazing Susan K. Younger in the house. Greetings. So happy to be with you two. Woohoo! Love being with you two ladies. This is so much fun. Um, Susan and Joan and I, we all met on C-Suite. And it's grown. It's awesome. Because we get to meet up on Mondays. And we have an hour like powwow where we talk. We see how we can help each other. And we really wanted to bring her on the show and find out how Susan goes about finding inner peace when it feels like the world's on fire. <laughs> Instead of walking around going, it's fine. <laughs> it's kind of like, I, I, I jokingly say I'm organized chaos. Um, <laughs> totally somebody, somebody sent me a graphic this morning about, yes, all our ducks are in a row. And I said, not a straight line is it uh, <laughs> ever a straight line and and she said well maybe maybe they're just all in the same room I said how about in the yard and I can see where they're at that's about as close to together as I'm you know yes. I think the thing for me about inner peace is accepting the fact that it doesn't have to be perfect it's about accepting what is and accepting the fact that you take it as it comes at you flow with it. Um, I read a book decades ago, we won't even say how many decades ago, called uh, Don't Push the River, It Flows by Itself. And I kind of took that title as a reminder of the fact that there's times you just have to ride what's coming at you. And some people that live by oceans talking about surfing, and you're not always on top of a wave sometimes there is no wave and you take that moment and instead of going crap nothing's going on you go yippee this is my time to rest and get ready for the next big wave this is my time to say oh, breathe deep find that inner peace in this moment so that when the next ball of chaos comes flaming at me I've got some energy to take it on and I have always been one of those who I need a little bit of pressure to get me to finish something. I'm not good when I have too much space to just lollygag around because I am easily distracted. I am looking for the fun in the moment. And I am also somebody who realizes that sometimes to push myself through it does more to stop me because I'm not giving my brain time to process something that is telling me I should slow down. I should step back in the moment and I should reflect a little longer before I 
push it to do something that I would have gone this way and I should have gone that way. Yes, exactly. I, I just was looking up when you said the still and then it made me come up with the Bible verse, be still and know that I'm God. And that is uh, Philippians 46.10. And I didn't want to get up and run and get the little rock that I have it written on and then come back and, and sit back down. And you mentioned the river, how things change and you never touch the same part of the river twice. In yeah. one. And, and that, yeah. that is so important. Well, it, it also reminds me of a, and I, I thought, oh, Lake Powell. And then I thought, duh, it is a river. It's the Colorado River that's been dammed up. And years ago, we, we had reserved a houseboat for the next year. But my boyfriend and I at the time had rented a ski boat and were camping on the lake the year prior. So we had this big map of the lake and we were marking the cool spots we'd found to camp. So we'd have that as a reference for the next year. However, with a dam, the level of water changes. The next year mm -hmm. was 25 feet deeper. Everything we marked was gone. You oh. know, so you're going, well, talk about a lesson learned about you can you can plan for all sorts of things. That doesn't mean they're gonna be there when you come back. Yes. For whatever reason, you know, and experience what shows up. Be prepared to face whatever is. And recognize that sometimes that's going to put something in front of you you'd have never, ever had the opportunity to embrace and enjoy if you hadn't been willing to go with the flow. Mm -hmm. That's your word, Charity. It is. <laughs> flow is my word of the year, and 2020 was a great example of that. If I hadn't been ready to, as we call it, plot twist, I wouldn't have met you guys. Yeah. I wouldn't be on Zoom right now. We wouldn't be taking avenues. Is it anything like we envisioned? No. <laughs> it's rather the polar opposite of what we actually had planned and laid out. But Joan, you and I, we, we wouldn't have connected. We wouldn't be here. Susan, I would have never met you. I would have never met all the amazing people. Yeah. And without even leaving the house, I get to travel the world almost weekly. It's incredible. Just yeah, I was just on a Zoom with a guy in Spain who's from Sweden right before I came to you guys. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I love this. And last year, one of the first things that caught my attention was somebody invited me to attend a meeting. It ended up having a woman from Romania reach out about a conference she was doing online and come to it. And through that, I, I heard somebody speak that was from Colorado. And the weird thing is I'd met Jeffrey Hazlett of C-Suite in 2016 or 17 oh, and, had wow. looked, and had looked at joining, but because the model at that time was conferences in various cities, I wasn't in a position to Tra yeah. travel and engage because of the commitments I had to an architectural firm at the time. But every time he'd come and speak, I made sure to be there. And I, you know, followed him on LinkedIn and a few few times would hear that he was going to do something and, you know, would, would check it out and hadn't really looked at it until last summer. One of my other friends says, oh, yeah, I just attended this C-suite thing on Zoom. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I hadn't thought about checking that out. <laughs> and 
so all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, oh, I can connect again. That's awesome. And that's what, what it's about with the piece is, is, is connecting with other people because I was just watching stupid shows on Netflix <laughs> before all this started. Well, what's weird is the first night in a member mixer, I joined that morning. Uh, they were announcing Lone Star Council, which, you know, since I'm in Texas, how cool is that to know that that's coming up and that I could come to a member mixer that night. I got thrown into a member mixer with a guy that I watched in May. Wow. Uh, now, talk about that serendipity of life to be able to say, I, I have your book. I've read your book. I heard you speak. And now I'm now I'm getting introduced to you. Those sort of things came out of a pandemic. You know, yeah. it, it's about the possibilities you explore instead of the, the things you mourn. You can spend all your time worrying about what you lost, mourning what you, you, you hoped would happen that didn't. Or you can look at what's mm -hmm. in front of you and recognize that there's a different a different possibility and explore what that will bring you mm -hmm. and so to me it's like okay what's next <laughs> excuse me what's next <laughs> we try to be careful on how loud we say that one because we're like okay what's next and then last week happens and you you <laughs> you know that first week of the month and with the open councils it, you weren't so good. that's a lot it's fun so you just run out of go go juice and then you're like, what's my name? But just the connections, it, it's so incredible. And the one thing I like, okay, so I gotta do this. She disappeared. Okay. Everybody in C-suite, they've written books on business. It's a lot of business talk, but there's a lot of personal connection too, for all of us, we, we get to know. And I have some these books. I don't know if it's backwards or forwards. No, it's, no, it's, it's good. Right. And I love the approach that you took with writing your book. Thank so you. How did, how did this come about? Did this come from the whole outlook like you have with the inner peace and just riding the wave? Yeah. Uh, E-Women is another network I've been part of for 17 or 18 years. And at the conference in 2008 or nine, a yeah, well, in a, they, they, were, they were launching a publishing thing. And that year I had stuff going on. I was like, no, I'm not gonna do it. But in 2009, I went to the thing about publishing and I thought I'm doing architecture, massage therapy. I'm, you know, I'm not a spring chicken. Um, <laughs> therefore I could write about stuff if I could write. So I thought I'm gonna join this and get a writing coach and English was my worst subject in school. Spelling, dyslexic, didn't call it dyslexic when I grew up. You were just a bad speller. You just were a slow reader. And I, I thought if I could write about stuff that I know, it's a way to stay engaged at a point when I no longer want to physically be lugging a massage table or run into somebody's, you know, I could, I could still write and share information. So I thought I'll write, I'll write a, I'll, I'll figure out how to write a book. If I learn how to do the first one, then the second one won't be, be so tough. Mm -hmm. So that was 2009 and you filled out this form and you had to put down five topics you would write about. And of course I was writing about green architecture and 
how to how to be an advocate for yourself, how to listen to pain. And then one of them was mom's cookbook. And when I met with my writing coach, uh, she says, okay, tell me what is this about your mom's cookbook? Cause you're not gonna write a cookbook. And I said, well, mom sent me off to college with, after two years of being in the dorm, I was gonna move into an apartment and be on my own. And she was like, well, you're gonna have to have some of these recipes of stuff. And so she would sit down at the, I mean, I can still see her little typing table in front of the window the breeze coming in so she could look out at her horse arena you know this was middle of iowa the garden when my brother got married got bigger not smaller because dad's like we got one more mouth to feed you know all morning long was picking stuff out of the garden cleaning the stuff getting it ready to can or figuring out what you were going to eat for dinner because the stuff just came out of the garden mm -hmm. and so it life was about what happened at the dinner table and how you engaged in conversation there. Stories were, I mean, stories were told, jokes were told, jokes that shouldn't be told to children were told at the dinner table. <laughs> Mom and dad were really good about engaging us in all sorts of ways. So I started telling her about the, the garden and learning there. And she goes, no, no, you're gonna write about the life lessons you've learned. and. And she says, you can include your mom's book, but she says, you know, if you're putting cookbook together, you have to do this. So she says, next meeting, I want an outline for however many chapters it is. And uh, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going down a different path. And I struggled with the fact that because I was not a good English student, I told nobody I was writing. And I certainly didn't tell them that I was writing about life instead of, as you said, you know, people are going, oh, I'm going to do this book because it'll help me in business. Mm -hmm. And the more I thought about it, I thought it is those life lessons that the family shared. And some of them were the mistakes any of us made or the mistakes they made that we just talked about. How does this make you feel? Why don't you ask somebody something? or the memories that became precious because they weren't normal. You know, like the uh, one of the stories in there is about the Christmas ducks and it's a miserable Christmas where we were so snowed in that you didn't go to church, you didn't do anything. It was you, me, my brother, mom and dad. And we had opened our presents on Christmas Eve. My brother and I always started a game of risk after we did presents. And when we fell asleep, we'd get up the next day and continue the game. <laughs> Mom put the ducks in the oven and started doing something. Dad was off doing something. And all of a sudden, Mom goes, well, crap, the ducks are done. And I haven't started anything else. <laughs> and the four of us, she just pulls the pan out, sets the ducks on the table, you know. And we all go, that's okay. And we sat down and giggled and laughed and ate these fabulous ducks. And Mom makes duck like nobody else. Oh, wow. When I tell people how my mom makes a duck, they're like, I've never, ever heard of that. And I'm like, it's the best. And it's simple. And so that story of Christmas became kind of a family legend. And when people talk about, oh, I don't get to have the, whether it's a green bean casserole or some special dressing or whatever it is that they're missing because it didn't happen. I just always think, 
but those ducks became more special because it wasn't normal. Exactly. And, and the opposite of what you're saying, one Christmas, mom forgot to turn the oven on. <laughs> so we had all the sides and we didn't have the turkey till 10 o'clock that night. Yeah. You know, it's the stuff like that. Or the, or the time we were driving, mom's family was in Omaha and we were in North Iowa. And before the interstates were finished, you know, those were some, it was an all day drive to get to Omaha and little roads behind a, a tractor, one point, a pickup truck or, a, you know, you just never knew what you were going to run into. And when the interstate came in and mom would take in the winter, when we go at Thanksgiving, she'd put food on plates and put it in the trunk on top of the suitcases in a container so that she'd know she'd pack, she'd pack as a meal, but it didn't require ice because it was cold. So she had these lunches packed for us and we got to the rest stop where we were going to eat and she realized she forgot to put any forks or spoons in. Oh no. <laughs> and she's got like baked beans or something, you know, and, and a car pulls up to us and there's a very well, well-dressed woman fur collar, which in Iowa means you got money, you know, yeah. because the rest of us didn't have those sort of things. She pulls up next to us and my brother picks up his plate, turns to me and go, watch this. He picks up the plate, turns to her. <laughs> <laughs> she pulled out. She didn't go to the restroom. <laughs> she, was like, she was like scared of what was next to her. You know, but we giggled about that. And, and again, it becomes a memorable moment of sharing together about the things that somebody else could have been screaming and how could you be so stupid it was never that it was like well this is what happened let's just let's just figure out how we're going to deal with it you know we got napkins we can wipe our faces you know uh, whatever it is in life you deal with what you're dealt at that moment figure out how to move on and have fun it's such good advice there was a uh... There was one time where we were stuck on Interstate 70, a highway that goes through Missouri, mm -hmm. deadlocked, <clears throat> deadlocked. And so I got out of the car to stretch. I mean, I'm on Interstate 70 and I heard this guy from another car say, do you want some ham? <laughs> and I looked at my husband and I said, I don't believe I think that ever anybody can ever say, do you want some ham on Interstate 70 as you're standing there? But it's just, you know, you don't get upset about the traffic or that, that you're stuck. There's a reason you're there. And there's a reason things happen that and you have such a good outlook and, and awesome memories. And I, I can't wait to read the book. So, well, thank you. But, you know, I also talked about and I think I've told told charity this one when I was conducting merchandising meetings and you'd have this gaggle of buyers come in and they would all be chatter, chatter, chatter because you'd take each one of them and talk about their part of a department that you were trying to lay out. I would have a bowl of Tootsie Roll Pops in the middle of the table. And those gals, guys, whatever, would pick up a Tootsie Roll Pop and start sucking on this silence in the room. And I could conduct the meeting because they all had something to do other than just chat. This was before cell phones. I don't know that it would be the same issue now because everybody would be at their cell phone and you wouldn't have to worry about them talking because they'd be talking via chat. But, you know, at that point, it was a point where they could all be together in a room and it was a chance for them to kind of do something. 
I had to interrupt their pattern, but I had to do it in a way that wasn't mean, but mm -hmm. it did give us a way to distract them from chatter. And they came to the meeting because I never held a meeting without food and drink. It wasn't fancy food and drink, but it might be cookies, it might be sandwiches. Was it a duck? No, never, oh. never duck. <laughs> no, because, you know, it wasn't like I had a kitchen there. So it had to be stuff I could fall in in the morning and get through the day on and, you know, maybe have something delivered midday. But you were in a conference room all day with people floating in and out and you needed them to know that if they showed up, they had a snack and th there wasn't some place to run off to to get food easily. So why wouldn't you go to Younger's meeting? It's yeah. got food. You know, you start figuring out how to engage people without it being about the meeting. Right. Yep. It was reason to be there. And and I I realized all of those came out of those lessons from the family. The lessons of, you know, you're sitting and doing some menial task. That was the chance to talk about something because you didn't have to look them in the eye when you asked a question that was tough. And I think charity, that's what you're doing with the tribe. You're giving them a chance to play with stuff. But while they're playing with stuff, they'll ask those questions because it's a safe place. All the time. If you distract them, then they don't feel like they're being spotlighted for being curious or wanting to know something. And it it lowers that tension, the stress. We do it with the Lions Club. We hold on to like the extra broth and all that too. And yeah. what we don't sell at our broth rice, we serve to the members. Well, everyone's stuffing food in their face. Everyone's yeah. getting along instead of yelling at each other. You know, and we actually, we make progress. And I yeah. think that's why Dave really wants to bring this restaurant to our community because he knows he can create that kind of environment where even if it's just for two hours, you get to walk in and just be, just enjoy, just experience, yeah. you know, it's, food's powerful, I'm telling it, you. It builds community. It's an easy way to say, you know, man, I want to go there today. I, there was a, there was a bar, again, small town Iowa, there was a bar <laughs> and it was owned by a family who was Mexican and one day a week they would do a lunch you didn't get to order. It was whatever the family decided to cook that week. Oh, wow. And there were those of us who were like, I'm going at 11 because I want to make sure I get it. Because once the food was gone, the food was gone. But it was the only day you knew you were going to get somebody's special cooking that you didn't get elsewhere. And you were so thrilled to get to experience something that they didn't share outside of the community in their location. You know, that love uh, comes through. Yeah. And I think, you know, we have such an opportunity now with so many different cultures to experience what they bring to us that we know nothing about and find out who they are and honor who they are, not for what we want from them, but from by getting to know them, we all of a sudden see the commonalities that we didn't expect yes. to find yeah. you know I, I was talking to somebody the other day about because they were wanting to travel and I'm like I'm not really ready to travel but one of my favorite trips was uh, the year that there was bombings in Europe and I still went with a friend and we did two weeks across from 
London to Amsterdam and down to Venice and through Paris and then back to to London. But instead of it being a bus of Americans, and they were telling us typically it might be three buses of Americans traveling together, jam-packed. We had one bus, it wasn't full. There were only less than 60 people on it. A third American, a third Canadian, and a third made up of Australian, Singapore, and Hong Kong. Wow. And when we would be eating a meal and sitting and talking, it ended up being a couple out of Canada, my friend and I, uh, two guys who work for a Hong, were from Hong Kong, but they work for a British shipping company. One had done eight weeks of management training prior to the trip. His buddy was going to do eight weeks of training after this trip. And so I'm sitting on the bus talking to this guy who had just spent six weeks in, in England. And as we're going through the countryside, he says, look, that open field. I got to walk through an open field all alone. Now, you know what it is in Wisconsin and Missouri. We got plenty of open fields. My family had 80 acres. I said, I grew up thinking that's normal. Mm -hmm. To you, that's special. You know, he and his family lived in 700 square feet. He and his wife and two boys had 700 square feet. I lived wow. alone. I lived alone in 1500 square feet. My girlfriend and her family had 2,500 square feet and five acres in Arizona. I said, the preciousness of alone to you is something I have to have daily. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine having to share 700 square feet. I can't and imagine. And yet when you think about the pandemic, that put a lot of people in, you know, dense cities like New York, living in small places without the ability to get away from everybody and how they had to change what was patterns of in and out into patterns of always together. Yeah. And that's the chaos of the inner peace. That's where yeah. you get the inner inner peace because I tell you I lived in a condo that was 850 square feet and let me tell you that was awfully small even with my husband there at times where I would just look at him and it's just you want to be alone but that's where the inner peace comes in at and and how you just in the middle of of chaos you have to find that where where do you find it in yourself mm -hmm. and if it's music or reading or, you know, being able to shut the door to the bedroom and have some time alone because somebody else is in the rest of the house. How do you, how do you find that in yourself? Yeah. Well, thank you, Susan, for joining us. Yes. This it has awesome. been wonderful. You are a sweet, sweet friend. Yes. Well, I, I always love the time I have with you two because we giggle, we laugh, but yet we still look at the serious things in life. We know we want to make them happen in a easier and happy way exactly awesome well charity we have susan here and then we have trisha coming up on oh my calendar where we need to be more i gotta turn the page okay this is where we come real professional all right got a calendar so we're just we're starting training now okay 20 and then 27th is is jeff i believe yep. and and we have Annalie mm -hmm. 
Okay, coming up. So stay with us, you guys. You never know where the conversations are going to take us. And uh, Susan, thank you for sharing with us your inner peace and how you obtain. And I'm going to read that book. And thank you guys for spending time with us. And I'm going to close out in a quick prayer. Just may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. And I messed that up, but you guys get the gist of it. So you didn't mess it up. It's, it's, <laughs> it's exactly the way I remember it. Exactly. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.